0: Planet Earth, while you slept, the world changed. If you can find it in you to survive, if you are worthy, then I will make you into something more than them. Something eternal. You make me so proud. No more. Do you want to know the real difference between them and us? Until now, we were never given a chance. Is what we have perfect? No. What is? But it's a start. And a good one. I'm Nico. I'm Dylan. I'm Kyle. And I'm Jonan. We hope you survive the experience. Those lines are the opening lines of the six issues of House of X, Jonathan Hickman, and Pepe Laraz's transformative series that took the X-Men forward a thousand years into their evolution, propelling the stories in new directions like we'd never seen. Whether it was the revelation that Krakoa is now a state of mind as much as it is an island nation, that Moira McTaggart is, like, secretly, like, the mutantest mutant ever, or that death now has very little meaning because of goal balls. we now oh. have... a brand new version of the X-Men to love and to tap into. Guys, this has been such a fascinating ride. If for no other reason, I found myself not just collecting X-Men again, but collecting covers. Guys, that's the first thing I want to talk about with House of X for a second. The art on this title has been unfucking believable and I feel like every week the four of us communicated in our Facebook chats or our private messages back and forth what covers we got, taking pictures, sending pictures of our covers, if our shots was delayed. Kyle, I know that your shop was really good to you with some of these really gorgeous covers.
1: I was really lucky, and I was talking to the guy who runs it when I'm there, and he was saying there's people who he was giving the matching covers to, and they didn't realize it until after all of them got together, and I'm like, how could you not realize? That's amazing. That is, it's been really fantastic. Yeah. I
0: know that I've really loved getting all of these Through the Ages variants because they're really what this show is about. They're analyzing these characters from all different perspectives. I know you and I both have the Ileana variant of House of X number 5 showing all of her many demonic and or adorable forms.
1: Oh, it's so good. And I also got the Nightcrawler one with all
0: of his vamps. Jonah, there have been so many fantastic Nightcrawler variants this run. I love them so much. There absolutely have been. The Nightcrawler Through the Ages is pretty
2: amazing. There's one that I thought I bought, but I couldn't find that Nico forgot I bought and strong-armed me into buying at Comic-Con, which is nice because apparently I didn't have it at the time, so I now have the one where it's Nightcrawler jumping from the building, very reminiscent of his first appearance. I love Nightcrawler. I'm the Nightcrawler fanboy. I'm literally getting a tattoo of Nightcrawler within the foreseeable future, but my personal favorite one that I have is the Emma through the ages, and it's not just because it's a through the ages. It's Emma doing the iconic scene of Jean changing her clothes while spinning.
0: Oh, God, putting that spin on it. Ugh. Oh, Ugh, oh, you brutalized my heart. And yes, I am glad I strong-armed <laughs> you into buying that because I'm not convinced you bought it in the first place! Ugh, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. So Dylan, you you stand Gen X so hard and it must be so lonely out there. It's like you, me, and three other people. And <laughs> I love Gen X and I love seeing Gen X get so much respect on a number of the action figure variants. Those mint on card variants were gorgeous. There was the Monet one and the Chamber one.
3: Yes. I'm actually one of those people that doesn't really care for the action figure covers, but because they gave so much love to Monet and Chamber, I had to to get those two.
0: Oh, absolutely. Without question. You know, I'll be honest, I found it really hard to be financially reasonable with a number of these cover options. There were just so many that were beautiful, and I try not to double buy if I can avoid it, because ultimately they wind up just sitting in a box, but a couple of them really caught my eye. Whether it was that incredible J. Scott Campbell variant New York Comic Con exclusive,
3: which Um, Dylan and I both picked up. Yes!
0: Right? Ugh. That cover is so beautiful with its glow in the dark I was just gonna say it glows in the dark right? Or those beautiful Krakoa flower variants. I specifically have the Jean and Scott hanging up on my wall. I also have a Magneto and I'm looking to track down the matching Xavier so I can put those together up. I'll also be honest, I bought like seven or eight of the blank variants between House and Powers. And I was lucky enough to grab two of the spots on one of my favorite artists' commissions list. And I have those pieces up on my wall as well. So it's really cool. I'm really excited because it's a Jean is Marvel Girl And it's a Moira X, and they are purposely color balanced. It's really cool. I'll put up a picture of them. And I've just had such a great time collecting X Men again. I'm not just the moderator, I'm also the editor on the show. And as a result, I hear the themes that occur over and over again through each one of our exchanges, and it seems like everybody agrees our understanding of this series is better for having shared it with each other. And it's been really exciting because Dylan, you live halfway across the country, Kyle, you're several hours away, Jonah, we're separated by like 45 miles, and we would never be able to come together around our LCS because our LCS... LCSs are four very different places, so it actually is kind of amazing that in a weird roundabout way, House of X has given us an opportunity to experience that notion of Krakoan community, where we're able to transcend distance, to share ideas, and the perpetual forward thinking of evolution. I'm really excited to keep talking about this series, and I know that we can't stop, and as a result, we're going to be covering X-Men by Jonathan Hickman in its individual issue format, as well as the trade releases of the other titles so be on the lookout for the different team titles of which i believe there's currently six team titles announced right guys there's x-men x-force marauders new mutants fallen angels
3: excalibur
0: And Excalibur! Wow, how did I forget Excalibur? (laughs) What just happened? What planet are we on? Jeez,
1: Nico! Right?
0: (laughs) And then there's two solo books in the forms of Logan and Moira, which I feel like—I feel like if you just put like a Jean solo book in there, I designed this X lineup.
3: (sighs) We don't need a Marvel Girl solo.
0: Well, you don't need it, but Nico wants it. I want it Nico, too. I, yeah, listen to that. Listen to all of that. I mean, basically, kind of just get it in the form of X Men Red. What we did? Oh, those are fighting words. <laughs> 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 well, you know what. And that is something I do want to point out. I kept expecting that House of X and Powers of X would have one of those over-the-top motherfuckers of a battle sequence at the end. I was convinced there was going to be some sort of cosmic-level reverberation, and all of the villains were going to show up, and I was going to like roll my eyes and be so annoyed. But I found that I was overjoyed that the true conflict, the, the true essence of what the story was talking about was a change in ideology. So the big battles were located... In powers two and three, and house three and four, while there were still action sequences all over the place, many of which I enjoyed immensely, I found myself revealed. Revealed. I found myself revealed in the pages. <laughs> I found myself relieved that we weren't going to be dealing with a non-stop onslaught of big bads coming for Krakoa over and over again. It was that focus on supplanting the notion of what the X-Men had become, this rote formula of a delivery system for analogous argument about minority, punch punch bam bam, and 9 times out of 10 secret traitor. So, I want to talk to you guys about some key elements for you as fans of House of X as we take a look back at Powerhouse, the evolution of x-men by john hickman so for starters i want to ask you guys for your biggest shock what was the moment that knocked you off your dick the hardest kyle for you what was it where's where he's like where's my balls
1: oh my god (laughs) wow okay um the only one of you
0: who's not surprised in the least is jonah and that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah, I I should be used to this by now. I mean, it's you been what? N- uh,
2: there are times <laughs> where you think you're used to it, and you're like, oh no no no, I'm used to all of Nico's uh, forwardness and his isms.
1: No. Now I think that would be when pretty much the entire away team is killed during the mission to, to stop the mother mold.
0: Oh man, what a what a brilliant moment to pick out, dude! You picked out like that moment that that moment of death, and it it echoed so many of the things we've talked about. Whether it's X Men One Hundred, where the X Men go to space and it's Sentinel related, and they nearly die on their way home. Stephen Lang, who would become intrinsically linked to the Master Mold, an idea once again linked to X. X-Men 100 in space. Ah, oh, God, it just took that classic moment, and it turned it on its head. Did anybody else find themselves shaken by that moment where, one by one, you saw the X-Men die- okay, hold on, pause, 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 pause. We can talk about the fact that it really does seem like Gene, Scott, Emma, and Logan really are, like, verging on Polycluster at this point, right? Like, I was
3: gonna talk about that! <laughs> getting there,
0: right? Because that moment where Scott basically sheds a tear and was like, that furry fuck was my favorite top. And, like- I don't know what to do with it, but it is the happiest I've ever been <laughs> since the implicit, weird, bloodletting sex stuff between Daredevil and Elektra. Okay, I bring up the Greek chick's love of blood play one time, and everyone goes silent. <laughs> Fine. Who else thought it was cool when everyone died? I sit here alone on my island. <laughs>
3: It was pretty shocking. I almost picked that as my moment, too, because these are some, I mean, besides Husk and Monet, these are some of the top tier X-Men, and we are watching them die one by one in House of X number three. It was amazing, but then also at that point, we didn't know what was going on. Why are we killing all of our favorites?
0: You know, I really love something you just said, and I wanna interact with it on a really honest level. You said top tier X Men except perhaps Husk and Monet. And I know what you're talking about. The X Men that Angel. were killed were X ex- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right? He sucks. But They killed the culturally significant X-Men, and I like that you even came after your own favorite, Monet, and said, you know, okay, so she's not one of the biggest culturally speaking, but I really think that this book has the chance to change that for Monet. Jonathan Hickman is putting so much into her characterization, and he actually did an interview where he explained how Logan can keep his adamantium. It's the same way that Warren can transform back and forth from Archangel, and Monet can now control her quote-unquote penance form the five can just kind of nudge the genome as necessary to get optimal results which Hickman said the bigger question is if Logan can do that with his adamantium and Warren and Monet can shift like that wow both super rich kids who are super pretty (laughs) and their power is to be super special can shift into horrifying monster people interesting
3: can we never compare Monet to Warren again that would be great thanks for her
0: sake. Done. And his point was, if that's the case, why does Scott still need the visor? Mm. If they can literally fix everything about everybody else to the point where their genome is perfect, why is nobody else gaining these benefits? It's a fascinating question. I'm going to want to know why Cable still has the techno-organic virus. Hmm.
3: Very good question. Mm.
0: Oh, Mm. Right? Yeah. There's a shock I haven't even had yet.
3: Yeah, another person that you can mention is why does Karma still have her robotic leg?
0: Well, because it wouldn't be a queer character in fiction if they weren't somehow otherwise a minority, you see. Because (laughs) gay is a label you can put on a minority character to make them have two things. Just like being an amputee, you see. Why bother having an amputee who is someone who grew up with a disability that is not an invisible disability? Why Why not show? Oh, because why would you do that? Yeah, of course. Dylan, Tay, hey, jump in with your shocking
3: moment. My favorite shocking moment from all of the House of X books is probably from House of X 2. I mean, it kind of goes along the lines of we got to see a whole bunch of Moira's lives. In her third life in House of X 2, we got to see a moment where The Brotherhood, consisting of like Pyro and Mystique and Destiny, were stopping an evil Moira. And us getting to see Destiny basically see the truth of everything happening in Moira's lives, and then Destiny warning her, that was my favorite, biggest shocking moment that I cannot get over, because the dialogue between Destiny and Moira in those panels is amazing.
0: And it was like, it was like a shock that had a shock to it with another shock in it that also shocked me. Like I just kept thinking, there's no way this is real. Every page I was like, there's no way this is, real. this is just not fucking real. It was incredible. And you know, I'm going to throw it back to Jonah one more time. Jonah, you called it from the first page of Moira McTaggart. You said from day one, this woman is amazing. And then we were so rewarded by a writer agreeing with us. Was it, was it, cause I mean, it has to be amazing for you because I feel like you literally from the first time you read Mo- Moira, to her becoming Moira X, it was less than a year. Well,
2: yes, basically. I don't know, um, Intra Moira slash Moira being dead. I mean, like, for you personally, in your Jonah timeline. In my personal timeline, I only know Moira as Machine Gun Moira, seemingly human, and then I now know her as Moira X, I don't know the interim, the
0: in-between Moira slash dead Moira. You know, it's been so shocking. Dylan, for your sake, what was the most unbelievable thing about destiny foretelling that moira would only have 10 maybe 11 lives
3: the really interesting part was i mean she's basically giving moira some information that she's gonna have a few more lives and that she's probably gonna mess up or that she is gonna mess up at the end of that panel destiny has pyro set moira ablaze it's just amazing that moira now knows that she has maybe six more lives to get something right
0: kyle were you on the edge of your seat as well i mean i know you were because we talked about it like literally that day but (laughs) what was it like reading it and having this thing that you thought you knew for like 10 years upended
1: It was chilling. It was mind-blowing, and I honestly, I'm still not sure how to deal with it, but I want to know what happens next, no matter what now.
0: Absolutely. I'm on the edge of my seat trying to figure out what other part of X-continuity Hickman is going to pervert, realign, re-examine, destroy, transform, and I can't wait to see it because each shock, even if I haven't loved each shock, I have seen the value of it, and that has been so rewarding. Jonah, what moment has had you most mind-blown from expectation to reality?
2: I think the most shocking for me is the resurrection process and the fact that there is a seemingly endless supply of mutants. I think it's pretty grotesque how mutants are born. You know, you can write a whole book series called, Where Do Mutants Come From? gold balls! Go balls. <laughs> <laughs> but when that team died that was sent to destroy the mother mold, I was pretty fascinated in how are these characters going to live, because a lot of those characters were on the cover of future upcoming Dawn of X stories, so obviously they have to come back in some fashion. But I was pretty 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 shocked to see charles and the five resurrect those mutants and it was like pretty
0: ugh and also like wow i agree the perpetual mutant machine it's not just a perversion of x-men but rather it's a perversion of life itself And I'm fascinated by it because I don't mean perversion necessarily in like a grotesque way. I think it's a perversion of the natural order of science. What's really interesting about it is it seems to be, by some accounts, a mechanical process. It's a mechanical process a la biology. But there is a mechanical process to it. It involved tweaking machines and developing things to a certain extent. Now, if we recontextualize that in the larger picture of Hoxpox, we can take a look at the fact that it's about how the Human Novissimo, the next generation of humans that are on a hybridization of human and, and machine or scientific technology that is the sort of fusion that we see in the other heroes of the Marvel Universe, right? So the idea is that while humans, mutants, and robots have been fighting this entire time, entire armies of things like Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, the Hulk, they've been slowly rising up and creating this other species that is ultimately the true successor, not mutants. So, So, the idea that it takes this robot consciousness, this larger idea, the next step of evolution, phalanx, or the next stage of humanity, a robot in part to survive, that they are trying to implement this now, this mechanical process, via Krakoa and manipulative biology. There's something really powerful about the beautiful balance of those two ideas and the way they talk about the functionality of nature as a pattern to be observed or broken. It wasn't all about shocks. There were other story beats that, while not shocking, were incredibly dynamic. While I was mostly going to refrain from giving my top three, I'm going to jump in with this one. For me, the best moment in the entire series, bar none. Jean saying to Aurora, she is the only her there ever was. That's like my moment of the decade. That was like my top moment in the series. Did anybody else have a moment where they were just like, yes, this is what I've needed?
2: Emma just waltzing into the courtroom, taking Creed and deli- delivering the line It's a brand new world, darlings. Better just get used to it.
0: Oh my god, it sends chills down my spine. I love both Emma Sabretooth moments, whether it was the moment where she fucking owned that courtroom, like she was Sam Waterston in 12 years of Law and Order, <laughs> or it's later on when Sabretooth is like, rats and frats and and she's like, hush, and he's like, and Jean's like, super hush, right? Like, I fucking love this, Emma walks into a room, does a psychic thing, and has a bunch of psychics behind her being like, look, she's on a frost, just laugh. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I really love that this is where they've gone with her.
3: I absolutely love the Emma moments, too. Even though the one moment that you brought up involves the girl who needs to try harder. Even though Monet telling Marvel Girl that she needed to try harder was probably the best thing ever. My favorite moment actually was from House of X number five with some characters that I don't necessarily like. But you mentioned it earlier, Jonah, when you were talking about the five I absolutely love the fact that they've taken these five characters that are kind of from a bunch of different generations of X-Men to actually give them like a super amazing purpose. Hope and Tempest and Elixir and Proteus and the character whose name I apparently can't say but is the most comical thing between all of you, Gold Gold (laughs) Balls. I. You, you can it, even hear that
0: you don't say the D, you can hear that you don't, yes. it's like the one time you don't <laughs> want the D, I don't know what else to tell you.
3: <laughs> but yeah, that's my favorite moment that they gave these five really kind of, in a lot of ways, lame characters, a really amazing purpose. Yeah, this
0: is the island of misfit mutants and inexplicably hope the mutant with square wheels finally gets to have some kind of value and
3: she's finally Charlie the messiah, in the box,
0: right? And the Charlie in the box that is Golbal's is, you know, it's actually <laughs> a nice surprise because for all that we do torture him, the Bendis years might not be my favorite, but they do represent a good three or four years of storytelling. And I might not have loved the time displaced X-Men, but they were valuable characters. They were the way that we got queer Iceman. They were the avenue by which they were able to test the waters and see if Jean Grey had value in coming back. I think they did a lot of really wonderful things in that era and then the following color years. Also, a lot of excellent work in there. Just because I wasn't reading it at the time doesn't mean that I can't respect it. And I really agree with you. There is some incredible value to saying, you know what, every element of storytelling should be brought together. There's no reason these characters can't serve a new purpose. I'm a different person than I was five years ago. I wouldn't make the same decisions I made five years ago. I think there's always room for characters to change who they are the same way a person might, and I think there's room for characters to have new
1: purposes. My favorite moment up until issue six was going to be the reveal of how the five work together, but now my favorite moment is House of X6 where we see how connected Doug is with Krakoa and how Doug stands up for Krakoa's autonomy while the Quiet Council are arguing over what type of laws they should have and whether they should have property on Krakoa.
0: You know, like, that's exactly why you're my best friend. I love what you- that's- oh, and that's such a Kyleism. That's, like, such a Kyle (laughs) thing to care about. He's respecting the giant- he's respecting the giant island's autonomy. Maybe the island's having a bad day. Like, a thousand percent. I think that moment is- so important in a story about computers that are people that are people that are computers that are humans that are mutants that are people the characters that actually are computer mutant people right i'm like spinning so the characters that are computer people sage cipher they kind of got a little i don't know i don't want to say they got shortchanged in places but i feel like that was one of the few moments that those characters who should be dominating this narrative got
1: to shine Did Jonah do his favorite? Okay. Yeah, Oh, yeah. It's Emma Frost uh, running Law and Order. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Emma Frost running
0: train on the justice system. So, (laughs) this is her story. X-Men.
3: Oh, my God. I never thought we would be comparing Law and Order and X-Men on a podcast, and I am in love.
0: I love Law and Order. Me too. I was addicted to it as a kid. Stephanie March was my hero. I wanted to be Alexandra Cabot so bad. I wanted to date Stabler so badly. Oh my god, he's so gorgeous. It makes no sense how beautiful Christopher Maloney is. And anybody who doesn't love Marissa Hagate is like an idiot. So um I (laughs)
3: agree. Can we get Mariska to play Moira? No, no, never mind. (laughs) I
0: Okay, but only if we could break Ice Cube. (laughs) (laughs) We saw him uh, film an episode of Match Game. And I just need him to narrate things. But we definitely need to get Sam Waterston in there. Also, his version of Gatsby is the best. Okay. One. Of course, *Hawks Pox wasn't all answers. In fact, a lot of things happened in House of X left me scratching my head, wondering if I was going to get any kind of reasonable answer, and I kept thinking, okay, the next issue is going to definitely have the answer to that question, right? Right, 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 right. Why not? <laughs> why, not? why? So, I'll say it. I'm just going to put it out there. My most lingering unanswered question, it's one of the last pages that there's that scene where Logan throws his arms around Gene and Scott holding the beers, and he's basically like, All right, who's on top? I want to know. Who's on top? (laughs) Gene. Obviously Gene. Okay, I was just going to say that. Yeah, obviously obviously Gene's the top. Obviously! Jonah, <laughs> Jonah, <laughs> what was your most outstanding unanswered
2: question? My outstanding question is, and I don't know if we will see an answer or if it'll be a point of contention for stories in the future, but will we ever see the chimeras that we were introduced to again? And I'm specifically referring to Rasputin and Cardinal. Those two chimeras were so heavily promoted, they're on a lot of merchandise, they on a lot of covers and they're given so much stake that I can't buy that we're not going to see them again. That to me doesn't make any sense at all of why would you be promoting these characters so much if they're only going to be used for this
0: special? Well, originally we were going to get more conclusive answers and a stronger ending on those characters in the pages of House of X. However, once John Hickman indicated that he would be open to the exploration of moira x's timelines and her story they decided that a number of those story elements would be kept for the upcoming moira x solo title so it does seem like from all things that have leaked you're gonna get the answers you're looking for but i also want them in the main timeline i want chimeras there but their timeline doesn't exist anymore sweetie the nice mutant no. monster people aren't <laughs> alive no 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 but you you see you see in in one (laughs) of the files
2: um it mentions that when uh, it's when the five are mentioned and how they talk about resurrection they talk about they've never mixed dna that was something that they've not experimented with i want to see them experiment (laughs) and i want to see what happens i want to know if we could have resputin in the main timeline i want monsters and i want them now xavier daddy (laughs) <laughs> Daddy, I want them now, and you can't say no to me. Xavier can't say no to me. I call him a reverse sugar baby. I have him by the balls.
0: Absolutely. Friend of the podcast, uh, Chris, friend of the pod, uh, he's going to get on writing you that mini series right away. So, uh, Dylan, back on planet Earth, what is your most unanswered question? <laughs>
3: Well, my most unanswered question actually goes back to space, and it's mainly just because I am so obsessed with C and D list characters that I want to know what is actually going on with everyone's favorite Sentinel, or at least mine, Karima. I actually went back over the weekend and reread all of Hoxpox, and if you pay attention to Karima in the scenes that she's in only in House of X, it does not necessarily necessarily seem like Karima is this evil sentinel person that she's coming off to be. There's lots of times where she could have easily killed mutants like Nightcrawler and Cyclops and she didn't. It seemed like she was hesitating and it seemed like she was also hesitating with that doctor up on that station about bringing Master Mold or Mother Mold online. It seemed like she didn't want that to happen yet. So I feel like there is a story for Karima that we don't know and hopefully gets t-
0: Wow, I hadn't even considered all of that, but the minute you started saying it I could see those threads for Karima. You're right, it seems maybe more like she's in a struggle for survival. She's not necessarily trying to commit genocide of the mutants, but she's trying to ensure that both humanity and robo-infancy are able to continue as well. I love that interpretation of Karima's story, and now that's a question I'm certainly going to be keeping my eyes out for. Kyle, what left you still scratching your head. What were you like? No, 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 no. I'm not
1: done. I'm not done. So kind of (laughs) uh, playing off of Dylan's, I'm kind of wondering where things are going to go now that the mother mold has been destroyed. Because the way we've been told is that the mother mold leads to Nimrod and there's all history always or the future always leads to Nimrod. So if they destroyed the mother mold, does that mean we're never going to get Nimrod or is there? There are going to be a new path to Nimrod.
0: Oh, wow. I really like that question because now I'm left wondering where where are we in the greater scheme of the timeline? Have we narrowly escaped the Nimrod future that's going to lead to the death of the X-Men or have we just perverted it? One of the things that we saw in Moira's journals was that this is one of the earliest the Nimrod has ever come online. So I am absolutely tickled by that question. It maybe even sounds like we should do an entire episode about Moira's journals or something. Guys, it has been so amazing covering House of X and Powers of Ten with you. This has been probably my favorite time to be an X Men fan in my entire life. This is exciting. I can't believe we're 12 weekly issues in and we're all still titillated and on the edge of our seats. I know I know we're all looking forward to X-Men number 1 as well which as of the recording of this episode drops tomorrow. I am so stoked to see what John Hickman has in store for the future of not just the X-Men franchise but of this fandom. These stories have certainly divided fans whether it's concerns over the fascist political implications or a question as to whether or not this is authentically in the spirit of the X-Men. These stories are bringing new questions like we've talked about to the fandom, and I love traveling with my quiet council of and We're like the great group of Grey Malkin, and I couldn't be more excited to explore these stories with you guys.
1: Kyle, until we return to the pages of HawkPox, where can everybody find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. Dylan, where can everybody find you?
3: Hey, everybody can find me on Facebook at my X-Men Facebook group that has the amazing name House of X. My Facebook group had House of X name first. You can also find me on instagram at warpath underscore dylan that is warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. jonah 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 where can everybody find you
2: waltzing into a courtroom pretending i know law and <laughs> basically freeing a criminal that doesn't deserve and freedom and <laughs> demanding order and demanding people bow down to me she basically said that and I basically said yeah. that because this is me we're talking about. <laughs>
0: she was basically like, Judge, lick my boots, and the judge was basically like, Oh yes, boots, show feet, show feet. I don't want to hey. answer anymore. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just Never tell us where we can I'm find being... you, Jonah, so we can move on.
2: <laughs> Maybe not <in> the <laughs> maybe maybe not in the courtroom anymore if that's what I'm going to go see um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jonah Ravino and at Jonah.Rubino Nico, I had to regrettably ask where can everybody find you? <laughs>
0: You guys can find me all over this amazing network on shows like Too Fast, Too Forever, where I make theme music, or HTML, which I do with my amazing husband, Kevo, where we talk about different movie franchises, currently covering the Alien Legacy series, moving shortly into Star Wars, so you definitely want to stay tuned to that. Don't forget to check out my amazing comic work over at KidRiotComics.com, where we make superhero-inclusive comics for a modern generation. And I'm over on Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And guys, until we return to discuss powers of 10, 1 through 6, we will see you on the other side of that Krakoan gateway. Bye. So long.
1: If we're your quiet council, what seasons are we?